0: challenges won't stop me. It's a strength and resilience mindset. Let me tell you, it's not ignoring the difficulties in your life. Just look at it as a journey of seeing opportunities in the challenges and discovering who God intends for you to be. Whether it's host Melanie Brown's motivational messages or it's courageous women sharing the strategies and habits they utilize when navigating those unexpected turns. You can expect to become equipped and empowered to fight to overcome any challenge that dares to cross your path. The goal, building and maintaining a challenges won't stop me mindset. Let's go.
1: Thanks for joining me for today's interview with author and speaker Maggie Rowe. After reading her devotional, This Life We Share, I knew she needed to come on the show and share the wisdom she's gained from the challenges she's fought to overcome. Maggie and her husband Mike have been married for 47 years. They enjoy spending time with their three children and six grandchildren. Y'all, Maggie is definitely a girl after my own heart as she loves hiking the trails in the Smoky Mountains. When challenges intersect Maggie's path and it's time to fight to overcome, she looks to Exodus fourteen fourteen as her fight verse. It says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Later in the show, Maggie's gonna tell you how to enter the drawing for a copy of her devotional. Yes, you want this, so be sure to enter. Grab a pen and paper now, so that you will be able to write down the details when she shares. I am super excited for you to hear Maggie share about God writing straight by broken lines. Please join me for my interview with my friend, Maggie Rowe. Hey Maggie! It's been a few months since Blue Ridge. It was such an honor to meet you there and to take one of your classes.
2: Thank you so much, Melanie. It's it's wonderful to be here. When I sat in that auditorium right behind you and watched you holding up your hands in praise and then you turned around and we chatted, you know, that was a divine connection. So thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Your subject is very dear to my heart.
1: Yeah, clearly. I have gotten your book, and I've read part of it. I haven't read all of it. As you told me just before we hit record, that this came out during COVID. Oh, my goodness. It did. And it's, it's a long story how
2: God led me into finally having a book. I've loved to write since I was a little kid, have done a lot of freelance, work for hire, all of that, but never dreamed of having a book of my own. And then it came about in an extremely unusual way. But I signed the contract in, I think it was 2017. The book was scheduled to come out in May of 2020. And of course, two months before that, the world shut down. So you just, I had to release this book, Baby to God, saying, Lord, will you use this life we share in someone's life to help them because in terms of people discovering it, it's going to be difficult, but God already knew that. So this has encouraged me, Melanie, the fact that you have the book that you've read parts of it. And by the way, it is designed not to be read straight through. That actually worked well for us. A lot of people said, I've got COVID brain and I've not even had COVID. I like a book that I don't, it's not meant to be read in a linear fashion. It's meant to be 52 short chapters on all kinds of things. People can pick and choose and read in whatever order they want. You are reading it exactly as it was designed to be read.
1: What I have read is fabulous. Thank you. I've picked out a few things that I want us to chat about today. But I want to make sure that the listeners know the name of it. It is called This Life We Share. Fifty-two reflections on journeying well with God and others, and so it's available on Amazon. It is really anywhere books are sold.
2: Independent bookstores are are more rare. Barnes and Noble did have it; they might still. So, really, you can order it anywhere books are sold. Amazon certainly, and it is available in four formats: uh, hardcover, softcover, Audible, which I've narrated, and then ebook. So
1: we are going to do a drawing and we'll talk about that later so that one lucky listener can get a copy of your book. So make sure as you are listening, you have a pen and paper ready so you can mark down exactly how to participate and be put into the drawing because you are going to want a copy of this book.
2: Oh, well, thank you for your endorsement, Melanie. That means a great deal coming from a a writer and a podcast host such as yourself. Thank you.
1: It's honest. I read all the time, have all these books sitting on bedside (laughs) table in my office everywhere. I read a lot of books. And maybe you do this. I don't know. But if I start reading a book and I'm like, I'm just not connecting with it, I don't keep reading. And I start on items that come on my podcast, Maggie. (laughs) <laughs> I know because life is
2: too short. Hey, you know, hey. Yeah. I get 50 pages in and if it hasn't caught me by then, I'm thinking no. And you know maybe at another point in life. When I was contracted to write it, they said to me, when writers usually do books, they're told to write to a, a narrow niche, meaning know who your audience <laughs> is, describe it, and write specifically to that man or woman or boy or girl or whatever. That they said, we want a big waterfront for this. We want it primarily for female readers. Although surprisingly, I've had a number of men who've written me too, but I was mostly thinking of women as I wrote it. And they said, we want it to be for a woman who is right out of high school or college entering the workplace for the first time, all the way through to someone who might be in assisted living. Can you do that? And I said, no. Yeah. God can. God can. <laughs> and and I, to be honest, if I had done this at a younger age, I couldn't have because I wouldn't have lived all of those seasons of life yet. Yes. You know, a writer in their 30s or 40s, you haven't experienced those seasons. And now I am in my 70s. I am a new septuagenarian, a seven-syllable word for seven decades of life. And I really can write to the young and to those who are Medicare, Social Security age, because I've been all those ages and you never forget. So that's my plug for that. You're never too old to get published. It's never too late.
1: That is a perfect segue into what I wanted to share the topics. And I'm not going to cover all the 52 topics, but I just wanted to share some of the topics that jumped out at me. And in my notes, I have something for everyone. (laughs) Thank you. I hope so. Okay, so here's a design. Yes. Here are some of the topics that Maggie covers in her book, her devotional anxiety, peace, joy, waiting, gratitude, friendship, parenting, grandparenting, hospitality, faith, and prayer. Again, something for everyone, which is why I love this book. And the ones that we are going to talk about today are focused on when we face challenges, because, well, the podcast is called Challenges Won't Stop Me. So, of course, we need to at least talk about that a bit. From the very first sentence of the introduction, let's take a road trip, you had me hooked. Oh, thank you. you. I love road trips. You know why? Because my book is about taking a journey.
2: Yep. Yeah, our themes are very similar, aren't they? Yes. Yes. God knew we needed to be friends. Yes, he did. You know, Blue Ridge, where we met, Blue Ridge Christian Writers Conference. So in that enormous auditorium, the fact that my friend Laura and I constantly sat in the same section, right behind this vibrant, curly-haired woman who was raising her hands in praise and was so joyfully contagious, that that was no accident. Just as an encouragement to our listeners, you never know what new friend God has around the corner. One of my favorite quotes, Melanie, on friendship, and I think I use it in the book, is that it's from a New England writer, a novelist, who said, I think one of her characters said, Yes, um, old friends is best, lest you can catch a new friend who's fit to make an old friend out of. Living here in the South, I feel like I have caught a new friend in Melanie, and she is more than fit to make an old friend out of. So there we go. But yes, challenges.
1: You and I write a lot about challenges using that journey theme. Yes, we do. So again, I haven't read your entire devotional, but trust me, I will be. But I have read enough to know that you face some challenges and you can see that in the devotions that you share. One of the devotions that I want us to chat about is titled Finding Peace in the Midst of Pain. Who hasn't experienced pain of some type, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain, the pain from financial struggle, pain from worry, with every challenge that we face. Throughout that devotion, you talked about the Garden of Gethsemane and visiting there, which is on my bucket list. I so much want to do that. Our church is doing that in about a year and a half, and Jeff and I have already started saving because we cannot wait to go to the Holy Land. It is life-changing. It truly is. You talked about your tour guide explaining what the word Gethsemane meant. So if you would share that, it's high-opening as to how it relates to the challenges that we face Absolutely. I'm I so look forward to Gethsemane,
2: Melanie. I mean, I my first trip to the Holy Land was over 25 years ago. I had in my mind exactly like all the paintings we have seen of Jesus in the garden, this enormous garden, it's dark, all of that. And of course, nobody knows exactly what it looked like 2000 years ago, even though we we know what the location was. Uh, right on the Mount of Olives, the place where Jesus prayed the night he was arrested. Now it is, of course, much smaller. There's been 2,000 years of development, present-day Jerusalem. They say, uh, and this is true of really everywhere in the world, is built probably about 20 or 30 feet above where it would have been then. And they know that because of architectural explorations of the original city would have been about 20 feet below where it is now. But all that to say is we, we couldn't enter the garden. Over the years, too many people have, and then, of course, do what tourists do. They broke off sticks from these ancient olive trees as souvenirs, which so they've had to protect the garden from the tourists, of course. Yes, but what it did tell us the name Gethsemane, I love uh, etymology, the origin of words. It, It explains so much about why our language has evolved the way it does. And as we know, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek. Gethsemane comes from the Grecianizing of the Hebrew words gath and shemen, which our guide told us mean press and oil. So Gethsemane means the garden of the olive oil press, Mm. which makes sense because they're olive trees, so it's called Gethsemane. And what do you do with olive trees? You press the oil. It's a very valuable crop then and now. I mean, cold-pressed olive oil, it's a valuable thing for cooking. In their days, they used it to lubricate their skin in a hot, dry climate. It was used for uh, anointing by the priests. It's a valuable commodity. Well, it's very symbolic also because Gethsemane was the garden of the olive oil press and also the place where the closing events of Jesus' life pressed on him, his spirit, so heavily that it says his sweat ran like drops of blood. So when you think about that, that's very meaningful to me, that there are times when we feel like the events of our lives, the challenges we experience are pressing on us so closely that, you know how we use that term, oh, that I really sweated that one out. Yes. So metaphorically, we're saying, this was a hard situation for me. And for Jesus, even though he was God, he knew the end from the beginning, still he was fully human as well as fully divine. And he knew what was coming, but that didn't mean he was looking forward to it. He even said, you know, God may this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. So Gethsemane is a very symbolic place, and I had the privilege of praying there, even though it was outside the gates.
1: So impactful, as you said, to know the meaning behind those words. Yes. I am also a word nerd. Absolutely love the meaning of words and where they came from. When you had shared that, I was like, yes, I love it. (laughs) And again, We are not going to experience the challenge of being crucified on a cross. Very, very unlikely that that will happen to us. We do know what it means to have life pressing heavily on us. We can relate to that description. Those emotions, and that's what this chapter talked about, is the pain that we experience when we go through those times of of pressing And then you talk about the peace that we can find during those times. How is that possible?
2: Yeah, it it doesn't come automatically. In fact, Melanie, God has used this podcast interview today to, uh, thanks to you, pointing these chapters out again. I was rereading them just this morning and thinking, Lord, thank you. I needed this because we've had some events in our family life I won't share publicly that have pressed heavily on my spirit in recent days. And I'm sure those listening to us are in the same place. Even the, the events in the world, seeing the yes. most disastrous wildfire in the history of America took place just, what, a week ago today. Mm-hmm. That horrific wildfire in Lahaina, Maui, just unimaginable loss of life and property. And each one listening to us knows that he or she has things pressing on their spirit. So I think we we go to God and we say, remind me of the things you told me originally. My spirit has been lifted today through our conversation and through going back and saying, having God remind me of the very things he told me years ago, that as I've been through challenges that have pressed so heavily on my spirit, I've had to say, all right, Lord, we need to remember in the dark what God has showed us in the light. So we never need him so much as when we're on our knees in prayer or when we're climbing that mountaintop and thinking, Lord, I, I can't go any further. You've got to help me here. In the book, I think not in this chapter but somewhere I share the story of once this is 20 years ago now when when we were going through really what was then and still ranks as the most difficult experience of our life and i remember i was in my little home office when we lived in new england i was literally in a fetal position on the floor mm. i could not get up my kids were in bed i was so depressed and we know the word literally means to be weighed down to be depressed is to be pushed down mm. and I, I I literally couldn't get up. And then the doorbell rang and I heard people come in. It was the acapella group from the church that my husband pastored. And they were practicing at our home. They didn't need instruments. And as they warmed up and started to sing, the power of praise literally got me on my feet again. Our situation didn't change. It wasn't to change for 10 years
0: we went through.
2: it 10 years. It was extremely difficult. I learned something, Melanie, about the power of praise. To get me off my feet because as the praise went up, I could feel my spirits begin to lift and I was able to get back on my feet. And I began to realize that praise is the most powerful weapon we have as we wait. Amen. Again, it's not God saying, just you wait tomorrow, Maggie, everything's going to be over tomorrow. You'll The, the perpetrators will apologize, it, all this will happen. No, that never happened. But he allowed us to persevere. So we do find peace
1: in the midst of pain from unexpected places, but praise is a big one. I'm telling you, you are so speaking my language. One of the essential pieces of gear in my book, Challenges Won't Stop Me, is binoculars. And what I say is, instead of focusing on the challenges that are right in front of us, which is what you were talking about, you had been just consumed with that. We take our binoculars and we lift up our eyes and we focus on God. And you said it. It doesn't change the circumstance. It doesn't. But it changes our hearts and how we see it. And we learn about God and he fills us with peace. Yes, if we can grab onto that and actually do it. And it's hard when you are frustrated and mad and sad and full of pain. It's hard in that moment to lift your hands to God and say, I praise you you are God and go through all the attributes of who he is it's hard to do that but when you do it changes you it does in fact one of the verses you picked out of that
2: devotional the chapter we're talking about is uh, reflection 8 finding peace in the midst of pain and there are I have points of connection that people can use for individual study or small group bible study at the end okay yes. Genesis 41:52 Joseph named his older son Manasseh because he said, God has made me forget all of my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Because we know in his case, the trouble came from his own family. Yes. Which may be for some listening, there is no greater pain than when it's your own family who turns on you. And unfortunately, there's a lot of estrangement in families right now. But do you remember what he said in scripture? He said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. Whoa. God has made me fruitful. Some translations say, in the land of my affliction. So for me, Melanie, you know, I'm the daughter of a farmer. I grew up in the farmlands, of fertile soil of Illinois. Yeah. And my father used to say, fruit is grown not in the mountaintop, but in the valley. But when you think about it, what grows on mountaintops, not a whole lot. Maybe coffee, maybe potatoes in some parts of the world, but for the most part, Crops are grown in the valley, aren't they? Yes, they are. When we think about the valleys of our lives, like much of the theme of your book, it's really in those hard times that we become most fruitful for other people. Yes. If if I had had a pain-free life, I could not identify with anyone else. No. And I wouldn't be. Who can identify with somebody who's only known happiness and perfect children and everything working out? You know, I'd be such a spiritual wuss, really. When I think
1: about it, mountaintops are great for the views and the inspiration. That's a perfect segue into the devotion I want to spend the most time on. Okay. And it is called God Writes Straight by Broken Lines. Wow! (laughs) That doesn't sum up what we're talking about. Yes. If I think about the broken parts of my journey... That's what makes me. That's where I have learned the most. Yes, it was incredibly hard for years. I drew close to God. I knew that I couldn't get through it on my own. He imparted things during those years that have shaped me, have strengthened me, have helped me to be able, as you said, to talk to other people who... Who are struggling. We had some technology issues and my camera on my computer just died. So we are starting again and we're going to pick up where we left off. The point of
2: the whole chapter here was just about how God uses broken things. That, in a sense, I grew up the daughter of a farmer on a uh, farm in the heartlands of the rural Midwest. And I used to wonder, why does my dad go through the fields twice every year? First to cultivate the ground and then to plant the seeds. Wouldn't it be more efficient just to do it once? But he had to break up the soil so it could <coughs> receive the seed. And Ann Boskamp talks about that. Of course, she's the, the wife of a farmer. The seed having to break to give us the wheat, the soil breaks to give us the crop, the sky breaks to give us the rain, the wheat breaks to give us the bread. And, the bread breaks to give us the feast. And I think sometimes as human beings, we need to be broken for God to be able to use us because who can identify with somebody who has only experienced happiness and everything working out exactly the way they wanted it to? There may be people out there like that, but I don't know any. Amen. About 20 years ago now, I actually went on a short-term mission trip to the country of Brazil where they speak Portuguese and one of the sayings that the women there taught me was this saying, and I'll, I'll say it to you in Portuguese, even though if anybody's listening to us from Portugal or Brazil, forgive me because I'll slaughter the pronunciation, but Deus escreve certo por linhas tortas. God writes straight by broken lines. And it's just a reminder that he can take the worst things in our lives and use them for good in our lives or that of others. It's what enables us to empathize. Anybody can sympathize, but to empathize means you enter in to their challenges. You say, "I get it. I've been there." The chapter was talking about that famous story about the young woman in Second Kings who was sold into slavery—actually, mm-hmm. maybe not even sold, but kind of stolen and kidnapped away from Israel—and she was the uh, the servant of a wife of a man named Naaman. But it talked about how for her forgiveness was freedom. She was not free by the strictures of her society. She was able to forgive her enslavers. She did the right thing by speaking up about somebody she knew who could heal her captor. That's where this came from. And fruit is grown in the valleys, not the mountaintops of life. Amen. If we hadn't had the challenges, we, we wouldn't develop the perseverance or we wouldn't really have the harvest that is useful for those for whom our own personal crops are being farmed.
1: I absolutely love the idea. God writes straight by broken lines. We can't make straight by broken lines, but that's the beauty of God. That's what he does. He takes those broken things, those challenges, those obstacles, those failures, all of those things, and he works it for our good. title just drew me in. I have seen and I have testimony of God making straight my broken lines it takes that broken line to be yep. receptive and you and it's a choice you make you have to be receptive okay God pour into me tell me what what can I take away from this time yeah and that's what he does is he takes that time and he pours into you and he takes that broken line makes it straight. Yes, And it's just beautiful.
2: Even as you said that, Melanie, about the broken line, I was picturing like a jagged line on a a medical chart, live above the line, like above the circumstances, which is what Paul said we had to do. Or we often say, well, under the circumstances, but we don't want to live under the circumstances. We want to live above the circumstances. The only way we can do that is to say one day God will set all crooked things straight. It may not be in my lifetime. I may not live to see it. But his promises are faithful to generation after generation. To, For somebody listening to us today, I'd say, friend, don't give up. You can live above the circumstances and still have hope, realizing this is not the end of the story. This is a very hard chapter you're in, or your children or your grandchildren, but it's not the end of the story. We know the end of the story, and there's great hope there. At the beginning of our conversation, you said, Maggie, how do people prepare for hard times? How do you get ready? And that, I think you just do the things that God tells us to do at first. We talk with him. We seek confirmation from his word. We we seek counsel from uh, other believers, from seasoned mentors. You know, we stay in the word itself. We get guidance from the Holy Spirit. And then we look for the open and closed doors of circumstances and just say, all right, God, this, this is not how I saw my life going. But this is not the end. This
1: is a chapter. That's what it comes down to. Since the podcast is called Challenges Won't Stop Me, what does it mean to have a challenges won't stop me mindset? I think it means that
2: I don't have to pull myself up by my metaphorical bootstraps and say, I've got what it takes. I I lack 90% of what the situation requires to fix it. I've only got 10. But it's realizing that God will supply the 90 that I don't have what it takes, but scripture says we have what it takes because God has given it to us. He has given us everything we need. I think that's in 1 Peter. Everything we need for life and godliness. So I think having the mindset of overcoming challenges, not letting them stop us, is first saying I don't have to be all things because he is. It's not about me, it's about him. How do we keep moving forward? I think hope. What it's somebody I think may have been a survivor of uh, one of the concentration camps in the war who first said, you know, we can live 30 days without food. We could live three days without water. We can't live three minutes without hope. I forget who said that, but we can't live without hope. And so we have hope that, again, even if we don't see the answer in our lifetime, even if the answer is not what we prayed for, it doesn't mean God was not unaware. He was not involved, that he's got greater purposes. So I think the mindset can be that we are not God, thankfully. And I think when we have that faith, and even, Melanie, if we feel we're lacking the faith, we can ask for more. Faith is a gift. It is yes. a gift. So I often say to, to groups I speak to, I say, people will say, oh, just have more faith. I think we need to say, do faith. Faith is something you do. You yes, don't it's just very active. It. It's, it is very active. We need to do faith. God is the one who's promised to give it to us, and yes. it grows as we overcome challenges, and we say, "Okay, He's given me more faith for the next one."
1: We are going to end, but I don't want to end before we have the opportunity to do something for our listeners. For those who are willing to go to Maggie's website, and that is m a g g i e r o w e dot com. Right there on the middle of the screen gives you the opportunity to subscribe. And yes, you are giving her your email address, but what you're getting in return is the first chapter of this book that we've been discussing this whole time. And I assure you that once you read that first chapter, you're going to be hooked and you're going to want the whole book, which is what you have the potential of having happen by putting in your email address. You may be the lucky one that gets drawn. So between today, as we are promoting this, and September the 1st, go to Maggie's website, type in your email address. That gets your name in the drawing. And then on September the 1st, Maggie will draw one of those names. And one of you may get a copy of her book. Thank you.
2: Yeah, I'll be delighted. Everybody that subscribes, and of course it's free and they can unsubscribe anytime. I do one post every week. Everybody who subscribes will get a free chapter of the book and then somebody will win a full copy as well. Thank you for this
1: opportunity, Melanie. Thank you. This interview discussing this feels like a kindred spirit. Yes. Somebody who is talking my language, who understands challenges and what we gain from it and the mindset we need and how it grows our trust and our faith. Yes. Thank you so much, Maggie. Thank you, Melanie.